Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Lofholm here, joined by my partner, Dr. Donald Moyne. Welcome to our weekly Influence show, and we're excited to bring another great show to all of you today, another great conversation that will help you make more money. And our topic today is objection handling. And uh, Dr. Moyne, let me, let me turn the, the show over to you for any of your opening thoughts on objection handling? Well, I have a lot of opening thoughts. I'm going to actually, folks, I'm going to approach this a little bit differently today. I'm going to share with you some insights and then a story or two for each insight. A case study, a true case study of something I've been through or one of my clients has been through. And the first thing I'd like to share with you is that all salespeople get objections. We all hear objections. Uh, I've worked with a lot of superstars. Eric has worked with a lot of superstars in selling. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You don't need to have a pity party for yourself. Feel sorry for yourself because you're being hit with a lot of objections. Uh, you don't need to feel like people are beating up on you because even the superstars, even the people who are at the very top of their field hear a lot of objections. The second insight I'd like to share with you is that objections are not the truth. Sometimes in sales, we get discouraged because we think, oh man, I can't, I can't handle that objection because it's the truth. I have people tell me that. You know, Dr. Moyne, uh, it, it's really difficult to sell for this company because their prices are too high. You know, our prices are too high. People keep bringing that up and it's true. I don't know what to say to it because, you know, you can't fight the truth. And the way I deal with that is, is a couple of things I share with them. Number one is that people are not born with whatever objections they have to your product or your service. It's too expensive. Your prices are too high. I'm loyal to someone else. Uh, I've heard the quality is low. Uh, I only want to buy American product, whatever the objection is. Um, or it could be a stall. A stall is something like where they put off making a decision. A stall is a decision to make a decision later. So they say, uh, you know, there's the, the, the so-called famous last words in selling. I'll think about it. Let me think about it. Let me sleep on it. And, you know, we've all heard that. Um, people weren't born with these objections. Somewhere along the way, they were taught to say these things. Sometimes they just, they picked it up from their parents. They saw their parents, how their parents handled salespeople. And here's the key, folks. Non-professional salespeople or unskilled salespeople are flummoxed by all these objections. You know, they don't know what to say when, when people hit them with certain objections. And that's one of the reasons that people, people keep bringing up certain objections. They find that it, it stalls the salesperson, it gets them out of their hair, it uh, takes the pressure off what they perceive to be pressure, but which is really in many cases, it's it's not pressure. It's the intention of the sales professional to help them, to help them find the best product, to help them find the best service, to help them make the best decision. So I want to share with you 
a story, a true story about a real estate agent named Tom Love, L-O-V-E. In the year 2008, Tom Love was the most successful real estate agent in the country. He's based in Las Vegas. And I met him because for many years, I owned a second home at the Las Vegas Country Club. It was right on the golf course. Beautiful house, 4,200 square feet. And uh, I owned that house for about 14 years. And it came time to sell it. And I looked around for, you know, Las Vegas is swimming with real estate agents. And I, I looked around, I interviewed a bunch of them. And I met this guy named Tom Love, who told me about, and he showed me his statistics. He was number one in the world in 2008. Of all the real estate agents in Hong Kong and New York and Tokyo and San Francisco, he was number one. Now, there were agents who were offering to list my house for a 1% commission. That was pretty appealing because most agents, you know, they want 6% or so. Now, that's just the listing commission. That's not the total price. And, but they would, they, they, some of them told me, well, I'll do the whole thing. I'll list it and sell it for a total of 3%. As I was pretty attractive. So I met with Tom, heard about all the things he would do, get maximum value for my house, put it in all these exclusive magazines, feature it. And it was very appealing. And I said, well, Tom, what is your uh, commission? 9%. I, I've never in my life, I've, I've owned a lot of real estate. I've never heard of an agent with a 9% commission. And I was flabbergasted. I was floored. And I, I, I said, Tom, how, how can you justify that? How can you, how can you get these listings? And he started going through his listings. He showed me that in this, in this country club, he set the sales record in Las Vegas, this other neighborhood, he set the sales record, highest price, highest price per square foot. And then he told me again, how he did it. And you know what? I ended up listing with him. So, I wanted to share that story with you folks to show you that even if your prices are 50% or your, your fees, let's say, are 50% higher than those of some other uh, people in your field, you can still not just be kind of successful, not just be pretty successful, you can actually be the most successful person in your field. So you have to get this concept into your head. It really, it's, it's very empowering to understand that what other people are saying, it's not the truth. Don't, don't tell yourself it's the truth because if you do that, you're really going to discourage yourself. It, you're going to be you know, shooting yourself in the foot because it's going to be very hard for you to overcome an objection if you think it's the ultimate truth. It's just words that they're saying. It's just a belief system. I'm going to go into more detail about that, share some uh, other stories with you in just a few moments, but I want to turn it over to my friend and partner, Eric Lawholm, to share some golden nuggets with you. Awesome, Dr. Bynum. I love those ideas. And uh, before I jump in and share a quick, couple of quick tips, I want to acknowledge all of you for being here. Uh, mm -hmm. We do the show every Monday. You can catch the recordings on podcasts. You can find all that information at the website, theinfluenceshow.com. And the, the first thing that I want to share with you about objection handling is that it's a skill set. And because it's a skill set, you can get better at it if you work at it. And so the most powerful technique that I've ever learned from Dr. Moyne, who taught me about objection handling many, many years ago, is to use sales scripts. Mm -hmm. And we know 
what the prospect's going to say. We know they're going to say the price is too high. I need to think about it. Can you send me some information? You talk it over with my partner. You talk it over with my wife. My brother's a real estate agent, et cetera. We know what they're going to say. So if we know what they're going to say, then let's prepare our responses. So when they say the price is too high, you say, well, how much too much is it? If, if you're asking for a thousand dollars and would you like to move forward and you're silent and then they say, well, the price is too high. You say, well, how much too much is it? And they might say a hundred dollars. Well, that's different than the price is too high. If they give you a number like a hundred dollars, so we might handle it by saying, oh, well, it sounds like you're very interested in, in moving forward. What interests you the most about moving forward? And now they need to defend their position of why they're interested in moving forward. And then they're going to tell you and they're going to go into benefits. And then you might say, well, those are some great reasons for you to move forward. You're not going to let $100 stand in the way of you moving forward, are you? That might close the sale. So the point is this. We know they're going to say the price is too high. We know they're going to say, I'm going to talk it over. You need to talk it over with my spouse. So here are a couple of script ideas. And one is, I call it investigative selling. And it's where you act like a private investigator and you simply say, no matter what they say, tell me more about that. So uh, I need to talk it over with my partner. So I ask for the order. And in, in my way of looking at this part of the sales process, it's like giving the prospect the hot potato. So are you ready to move forward? I give them the hot potato. And they say, I need to talk it over with my partner. So now I have the hot potato back. So what do I want to do? I want to give them the hot potato back or give them the hot potato back and re-ask for the order. So I say, tell me more about that. So what does that do? It buys me some time. It allows me to potentially, like a private investor and gator, get some more information that might help me move them forward in making a buying decision. So tell me more about that. And then I'll give you one other technique and I'll turn it back to Dr. Boyne. And that's the hand on objection with a question. So they say, the price is too high. You say, is that your only concern? And one of the great things about the, the script, is that your only concern? I'm going to call it a universal script. So it goes like this. Eric, I need to talk it over with my spouse. Uh, oh, okay. Is, is that your only concern? The price is too high. Is that your only concern? Uh, my brother's a real estate agent. Is that your only concern? Is this network marketing? Is, see, no matter what they say, you could say, tell me more about that. Or is that your only concern? And if you'll put a little practice time in, you can put those ideas in your mind to where you can write on cue, come out with either of those scripts in a live sales presentation. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Dr. Moyne. Great insights, Eric. Great insights. I hope you folks are all taking notes on that. You know, when it uh, comes to the objection of I want to talk it over with my spouse, there's actually several variations of that. One of them is, you know, I want to talk it over with my spouse. Another one that I hear frequently, I know Eric hears, uh, if any of you are um, business consultants or coaches, you probably hear this one. Uh, I want to talk it over with my business partner. Another one that I sometimes hear and you might hear is I need to talk it over with my accountant. 
or my financial advisor. You know, this is a lot of money. Before I commit to spending uh, this money, I want to talk it over with my financial advisor. And folks, one of the great ways of dealing with that objection, whether it's the spouse, the accountant, talk it over with the partner or financial advisor, is to say, you know, that that's probably a great idea. Uh, do you always talk it over with, and then mention the person's name or you know, whoever it is, do you, do you always talk over uh, a decision like this uh, with them before you make it let's say it's the spouse and they might say yeah yeah I, th I think i do so one of the things i like to say is well have you ever surprised your spouse have i ever surprised my spouse oh yeah yeah i i, I guess i have you know a uh, surprise birthday present or i just you know, took her out to dinner Friday night, or I surprised her with a big bouquet of flowers. So, you know, you know, George, it might be time to surprise her again. Think about how that, that big, beautiful smile on her face when you surprised her the last time, you know, you brought her that beautiful ring, that beautiful diamond ring. Uh, do you think it might be time to surprise her again? So let's say you're selling a car or, you know, you, you, you can say, Think, think about the beautiful expression on her face when you pull into the driveway with this gorgeous red convertible and she looks out the window, what, what's that sound? I haven't heard the sound of that, a car like that in our driveway. She looks out there and she sees you in this beautiful red convertible and maybe she's even a little bit angry. You know, he bought himself a red convertible sports car. And then think about how great she's going to feel when you walk into the house and you hold out those keys and you say, honey, you know, I'm the luckiest man in the world. I love you so much. I want you to have this. Think about how great she's going to feel. Now, do you really need to talk this over with her? You know, folks, I think you're going to have a good chance of selling that car. Um, when it comes to the business partner, you, you can you know, do something similar. Do you always make this discussion, have this discussion with your accountant, have a discussion about uh, making an investment? You know, do you always talk to your accountant? And if the person says, yes, here's a great way of dealing with that. You can say, you know, I fully support that. Folks, what you don't want to do is you never want to get into a fight with a prospect or a client. You never want to get into a fight with them. And there's really no need to. You're not going to win in a fight because if it's if it's force against force, they're going to win. So you always want to be on their side. You want to say, you know, I fully support that. You know, there's a lot of details in this and you probably want your accountant or your financial advisor to know and understand those details and the benefits. Isn't that right? And they'll agree with you. And you, you say, you know, Tom, uh, I would never try to do your job. Your, your job's pretty complex, isn't it? And everyone's going to tell you their job's pretty complex, no matter what they do. You know, that's pretty, yeah, it's pretty complex, you know. You know, it took, and how long, oh, how long did it take you to learn your job, Mary? Oh, it, it probably took me five or six years to learn my job, to master my job. Well, great. I, I know you do a super job. Uh, you know, it took me, it actually took me longer than five or six years to master my job. And I would never try to do your job and you don't have to try to do my job. So 
I'll tell you what, why don't we set up a meeting with your accountant or with your financial advisor and let's meet with him together. Let's meet with her together and together we'll explain uh, the benefits of what we're proposing. Well, and we'll answer all of that person's questions. What time do you think might be convenient? So now, and I, I want to, before I turn it back over to Eric, I want to explain to you why this is so vitally important. When they talk to another person about it, they are never going to be able to do the kind of job that you do. They are never going to be nearly as persuasive as you are. So it, it's like, you know, here, I, I want to tell you how they do it because I've actually figured this out. Let's say the uh, accountant's name is uh, Gary. Hey, Gary, uh, this consultant wants to sell us a bunch of expensive sales training. It, you know, do you want, do you think we should do it? No. Okay. I'll, I'll tell them. And then, you know, they talk to you. Yep. Yeah, Dr. Moyne, I, I talked to Gary, you know, I just couldn't get him to go for it. <laughs> you know, spend a lot of time with him it, and they, they just do such a terrible job. You know, you want to buy this? You know, here's what they want us to buy. So don't ask them to do your job. Use the technique I just shared with you. And I guarantee you, you're going to make a lot more sales and have a lot more fun. And you know what? That, that the other person you speak with could become a referral source for you. They could be so impressed with your presentation, with what you have to offer, with all the benefits that they decide they want to tell other people about you and about the services or the products that you offer. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Eric. Fantastic, Dr. Moyne. I, I love those ideas. And I've got a couple more ideas I'm excited to share with everybody. And I want you to all think about how would you describe your objection handling skill set? Would you say, well, I'm not very good at it or I really get stymied by those objections or um, I really have a hard time with objections or I'm okay at it or I'm good at it or I'm an objection handling master. And I want you to recognize that mindsets are not fixed. They're flexible. And so I'm doing this thing, Dr. Moyne, with my son. He's 20 now and he's home um, from college for the summer. And uh, I've been talking to him about personal development and reading books. And, you know, he does a lot of audio listening, which is great. Uh, but reading is another way of learning. And I think reading's kind of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. I got into audio and I've been encouraging him to read. And so I, I said this to him, I said, look, let's go to Barnes and Noble. They got a couple books. I'll get a couple of the classics that I want you to read. And I'll give you a dollar for every page you read this summer up to a thousand pages. Wow. So he is excited about making a thousand bucks. <laughs> and so anyway, he picked out all these books. I told him, you know, get two or three. And he, I don't know, I think he picked out like six or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? Let's just get them all. So mm -hmm. we spent like $200 or a little over $200 mm -hmm. yesterday at, at Barnes and Noble. And he, he's all excited about learning and, and reading. But here's the point of the story and what it has to do with objection handling. Mm -hmm. I was enrolling him in the idea. He's home for about 100 days before he goes back to school. Mm -hmm. 
I said, Brandon, I want you to be a yes man with me. And I want you to say yes to everything I ask you to do for these next 100 days. And I said, if you'll trust me, 100 days from now, you will be a different person than who you are today. And he is so excited, Dr. Moyne, about these next 100 days. And the relevancy to objection handling is if all of you created a vision for getting better at objection handling, say, over the next 100 days, and you really looked at, well, what does that actually look like? How could I get better at objection handling? What are the things that I could do? You, like my son, he's going to be a different person in 100 days. And all of you listening right now could be totally different, improved in your objection handling. And then imagine that skill set for the rest of your career. That idea could be worth a million dollars in commissions. And I want to give one other very, very brief story and then turn it back to you, Dr. Boyden. And that is a, a real script I used with my wife when I was dating her. And I said to her, if I asked you to marry me, what would you say? And she said, well, of course, I would say yes. And I said, that's good to know. And I made a little <laughs> mental note of that because <laughs> when I proposed to her, I obviously didn't want to get a no. And so I did a trial close. And that's a technique that we can do um, when we're selling to get a, a minor agreement, which is in this case, getting this agreement up front. And uh, of course, when I did propose to her, she did say yes. And so with that, Dr. Wayne, I'll turn it back to you. Oh, those are some great, great examples. Um, yeah, Brandon will be a different person. He'll be a better person. He will be more self-confident. He will like himself more. Uh, many years ago, the first business partner, first serious business partner I had, someone I've I've talked with Eric about a number of times. He's uh, I was in my twenties, and uh, his name is John Hurd. He was in his sixties. He was a sales superstar mm -hmm. in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, John, when he, when he was younger. Uh, and his children were young. He was a salesman for a company called Success Motivation Institute, which was one of the big uh, positive thinking uh, success training um, programs. It was one of the biggest in the country. Very, very popular. And John was their number one salesperson. The number two salesperson was a guy named Sandler. This is a guy who later went on to start the Sandler Sales Institute. And uh, back then, this was before my time, so John shared these stories with me. The way that they, what they were selling, if you can believe this, ladies and gentlemen, they were selling uh, positive thinking, uh, success strategies, uh, and sales training on 33 RPM records. They were selling on vinyl records. This was before the days of cassette tapes. This is way, way back. So John told me these stories <coughs> and he said, he used to, he said, I used to drive my children crazy because when a new album came out with Earl Nightingale or one of these uh, popular motivational speakers of the day. These were like the Tony Robbins of the day and the Zig Ziglar. And they even sold some Zig Ziglar stuff. Uh, 
Well, John said, I would listen to that over and over and over again in his house. And he had two children there who were, you know, like five years old, six years old, eight years old. And they were hearing this stuff over and over again. You can do it if you think you can do it. And secrets to becoming a leader and uh, secrets of, of self-confidence. And, you know, this stuff would go on for half an hour. You'd flip over the record and play the other half. And I want to tell you something. Uh, his kids were in their 20s. I was in my 20s when I met John and we started working together. I was flying back and forth to Detroit. We had a lot of corporate clients like AT&T, General Motors and others. And I'll tell you how John John's kids turned out. His uh, eldest daughter became an anesthesiologist. She became a medical doctor and an anesthesiologist, which is one of the, I don't know if you guys know this, is one of the highest paid professions in medicine. You know, they administer the gases when people are are uh, going under uh, for an operation. And his son became a very successful lawyer in Colorado. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons they were so successful is that they listened to all of these motivational uh, tapes and success strategy tapes. like. Like Brandon's going to be getting this information now through through reading. Folks, I want to share this insight with you. Write this down. Whoever has the best words wins. Whoever has the best words wins. Now, what does that have to do with objection handling? If the prospect or the client's objections, if they have better words than you do, they think they win. They actually end up losing because they're not going to get your great product. They're not going to get your great service. But you know, in their mind, they might think, I won. I didn't buy anything. So they don't have an answer to their problems. They don't have their dream car. They don't have their dream house. But you know, that's their kind of warped definition of winning is I didn't buy. If you have better words, you, you will both win. You will win. The client will win. The customer will win because they will have the best solution for their problem. They will have the best product. They will have the best service. And this is why scripts are so important. Scripts are the tools you use. You know, a, a surgeon uses a scalpel. They cut you open with a scalpel and they cut out the tumor, whatever it is, so you can heal. Uh, they, they perform the operation. Mechanics have their tools to work on cars. Uh, computer repair people have their special tools. And in sales, our ultimate, we have two tools. One is, and, and the one we use uh, all the time is our words, our words. And the other tool is our mindsets. And this is the tool we use to work on ourselves because our mindsets determine our reality. It determines our destiny. I want to share one other quick story with you. I'll, I'll turn it back over to Eric. For the last month, maybe five, five weeks, six weeks, I've been working with one of my clients to do something that everyone else in her field thought was just about impossible. She's a retirement planner. She's a financial advisor and retirement planner. And her goal, one of her goals, I've been working with her for about two and a half years now. <clears throat> one of her uh, recent goals 
is to be able to throw retirement parties at the workplace of where her clients work. And she wanted to do this for several reasons. One is that when she throws a party, when someone's going to be retiring, and you know that's where that's the area she focuses in is the people right before retirement and entering retirement so that they what she does is she takes like their 401k or their retirement plan and she rolls it over into an individual ira so that they now have complete control over it instead of the company having control over it or being limited to just a few investment options that the company has selected uh, now they can choose whatever mutual funds they want, exchange-traded funds, bond funds, uh, any type of investment. Um, so this was considered pretty much impossible. She tried it before, but we started to really go into the objections, tear them apart, why it couldn't be done. And one by one, we undid these objections. You, The process, and I want you guys to think about this. You can write it down. It's kind of like undoing their thinking in a very gentle way. It's like re-educated them. They, a lot of these things, that, a lot of things that people believe are almost like superstitions. It's like, well, we've never done it that way here. You know, NIH, folks, you know what it means when people say NIH, not invented here. You know, we don't do, we don't do things like that uh, around here. You know, it's never been done that way. And, and sometimes, uh, as Eric pointed out earlier, you can ask gentle questions. Well, that's that's interesting. You know, why is that? And then what we did is we showed them at other companies, they do this. And I'm going to come in. She's going to come in. She's going to pay for the entire party. And the real payoff for her is not just that, you know, when her client retires, she's going to get this $1 million uh, 401k and some of her her clients at this particular company that we, we got to approve this, they actually have $4 million to $5 million 401ks because they've been buying stock all these years in the 401k. So, but where she, they invite their friends, they invite their friends who are over 50 years old, who might be retiring in the next few years. So it's, it's just the most fantastic lead generation system in existence when you have a, you're throwing a party. Everyone's feeling great. They're eating some great food, having birthday cake. It's right there. It works. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to get dressed up. They don't have to go home at night and go somewhere else. It's right at work. It's only for an hour or so. So it doesn't take up that much of my of my client's time. And all these people, you know, they see how happy uh, her client is, how excited the client is. The client talks about all the investment options that he or she's going to have. And uh, folks, we got this approved. This was last week. We got this approved in six different locations of this company where my client's going to be able to go in and throw retirement parties. It's a major, major home run. That's what you can do when you know how to handle objections. Eric? Awesome, Dr. Moyne. Thanks for that great, great information. And I just wanted to, before we wrap up, Dr. Moyne, um, I want to acknowledge all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening in and please share the show with, with your friends. It's great to have mm -hmm. all of you. And Dr. Moyne, I want to acknowledge you and I want to just share with you something that occurred for me recently. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, all kinds of different business deals that I'm working on with people all over the world. And 
I had a situation recently where um, the people that I'm doing business with, um, it's challenging. There's just, there's a lot of resistance mm -hmm. and um, it's, you know, I want to work with them and it's, it's just right now that there's some, uh, there's some challenge. Mm -hmm. And I bring that up because it is such a joy to work with you. <laughs> I, I so enjoy um, you as a human being, having you in my life. You know, we've done a lot of things together. Oh, yeah. Consulting projects on, on a, where we team worked on companies and mm -hmm. referring each other and seminars. And mm -hmm. now we've got our book project and mm -hmm. we have a relationship that goes back to the, you know, the mid 1990s. Mm -hmm. And I just thank you for the uh, pleasure it is to, to work with you and, and uh, all that you do for me and, and how you show up for me. Well, thank you, Eric. That the feeling is mutual. I also want to acknowledge all of you who are watching this, who are taking this in. As Eric said, tell your friends. I, I really appreciate your positive feedback, uh, the the positive comments you guys are typing in here. God bless you all. And you know, folks, I want to share this about Eric. Um, when I met Eric, he was Eric. You were about twenty, twenty-one years old. How old were you? Twenty. I was. I think. 23 when we first met. Okay. So Eric was a very young man and I was pretty young then myself. Um, he had recently been married and, you know, he, I was working with several other people in this, in, in this particular company, Dante Pirano's company. It was a real estate education uh, company. And it was something about Eric that stood out there were some people there that didn't believe in eric you know he was he was very young he was starting at the bottom but i saw this spark in eric and i just i saw this tremendous tremendous potential i saw this drive to succeed i saw thirst for knowledge and what i want to acknowledge also with you eric is that eric had a drive to succeed, but it was not like some of the other people in that company where they would just step on other human beings. Eric has always been a very respectful person. You know, he has risen up, risen to the top without stepping on other people, without, you know, some people can only feel good if they put someone else down. Eric is not like that. Eric lifts other people up and, you know, we all enjoy the journey upward together. And I've watched Eric over the decades become a great father, a, a tremendous husband. And folks, it hasn't been easy. You know, he went through a divorce. He talks about this openly. Eric is is very authentic. You know, we've uh, we've both been through some, you can't get through life without going through some, some pain, you know, bad investments, yep. bad relationships. It's just things like this happen. And Eric has always been, you know, a gentleman, he has, uh, uh, you know, he, he's just has so much dignity about him. And I, I hope you all appreciate that about Eric, in addition to, you know, the tremendous knowledge that he has acquired. And I'm very proud of Eric. I mean, just the, the human being that he has grown into, that he has become, the thousands of people that he has helped, that he, that can, he continues to help. And if I, you know, if I played a small role in that, I am extremely grateful. I'm, I look forward to more. I mean, I just, you know, life is a journey. Life is an adventure. And you know, we just don't know 
what kind of adventure awaits us even tomorrow for, for, for all of you here. Um, so folks, have a wonderful week. Have a tremendous week. Uh, make the most of every opportunity you have, including the opportunities to help other people. And thank you again so much for your, your positive comments. Eric, any final words before we wrap up until next week? It's just, just great to be with you today. Great to be with all the listeners. Great topic, objection handling. It's definitely a, a great money-making topic. Invite you guys to listen to the show more than once. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you all for being here. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.